podcast. What's up, y'all? Silversations number 14, the podcast. Silversations over all those are space to help people just cultivate more connection, compassion, self-understanding, and bring it into their lives and their communities. Uh, we have a connection-building card game, working on video content, and this podcast I love because it's a space for me to interview and talk with people that I admire, that I find fascinating, that bring a lot of value to my life. And we get to dive in, go into the layers and ask questions and ask the whys about ourselves and uh, what's made us and what's created us along the way. So yeah, one person that I really appreciate doing that with just on a, on many different levels um, that is part of the interview today is Mr. Rodney Stark. Um, I actually met Rodney um, earlier this year uh, via Zoom through Let's Get Talking. Uh, shout out to Mikey Perdomo, who um, Mikey got us connected and Rodney showed up uh, virtually on uh, Let's Get Talking, which is essentially like our discourse space for groups to just ha- hold space, let people talk about tough issues, things going on. And this was around, this is right around the time um, post like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and uh, we were meeting up online through Zooms, and Rodney, I believe he was driving, but he really wanted to be a part of it, so he was just on his phone, and um, just even the way that, you know, the thought and the way that he broke things down and reflected on things, uh, for me, just struck me as one. I was like, oh, I was looking at things in a different point of view. I think at times maybe the conversation I just saw it as is a couple ways and I think the way that Rodney just has this holistic approach to the way that he looks at life and the way that he makes sense of things is very much like me um and I think we I really connected with him on that level and then throughout the throughout the summer um we went to some actions um and then Rodney himself has been traveling has traveled to a lot of the, the movements around the country and um, with the uprising. So he was in, I believe in Minnesota, he was in Georgia, he went to Oakland, um, he went to Louisville and was just learning and getting involved with the movements, documenting. He even wrote a paper on, uh, I think he put together some information on like how police insurance works. And so, um, we'll talk about it in the podcast, but, um, on top of that, Rodney is a, a vegan, um, and he just uh, like has has this way about breaking life down to a science, to a spiritual level, to a to a mind level that is really connected, and um, yeah, that that uh, resonates with me because it 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 you, it brought up some things for me in the way that I view life and the way I, that I go about life, and so um, and then just diving into you know learning more about Rodney. Rodney comes from Columbus, Georgia. Um, and he moved out here for school and has taken that leap. And we dive into that, what it's like to move away from home and make those moves and choices. But, um, yeah, that's a little bit about Rodney. We dive into it. We go over about an hour, but you'll see as soon as you start hearing Rodney talk, you get what I'm talking about. And, uh, it's really engaging conversation. So check it out and take care. Peace, y'all. Right. And we didn't even see you. You were on right. the phone. You were <laughs> yeah, on your phone, and you were a blank true. screen on the Zoom. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. I was. 
And I was just, I don't know, I was tuned in. I showed up. Uh, I showed up more so to just listen, to just kind of feel out, like, what it was about. But the more things that y'all kind of got into, I couldn't I couldn't help myself. I just, I was like, I got to participate. Yeah. I want to jump in, you know, and, and engage. And, man, it's like been history ever since. Yeah. Like, for like, real. Where, where were you at in, in your journey when we... When, the, when our paths crossed at that point, because that's post... That was like peak yeah. quarantine. Yeah. Definitely peak quarantine. Shortly after school uh, had shut down, I was uh, I went back home to Georgia to finish out the semester because everything was like virtual. So I think I was just like kind of in, um, in a space where I was kind of like just, just, I guess, getting... Not getting used to the quarantine, yeah. but like figuring out how I was gonna maneuver mm-hmm. through the quarantine. And uh, I'm I consider myself to be a conversationalist, if that's a word. But yeah. um, I guess I'm coining it now. Yeah. Like, I yeah. consider myself to be one. So like I really I really like um, thought provoking, stimulating uh, conversations. Um, I like hearing different perspectives. I like to learn. I'm curious. So. The the idea of it, um, at first I didn't I I kinda had low expectations because it was virtual. Mm-hmm. Um and just sitting in virtual lectures like, you know, throughout the day yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I was kinda like leery about it. And then once I actually got in there and people started talking and it was engaging, it was stimulating, it was it was educated, it was uh patient, it was mm. it was very uh, welcoming and open. Um, I like the space. It was something about like the energy that kind of just like transcended the technology. Even though we weren't all in the same room, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it felt like a room. Yeah. It felt like sitting in a room with with all of these people. And so, you know, after a while, I kind of forgot that I was like even on a screen. Yeah. I'm just engaging, you know, with my computer as if I'm engaging with people sitting, you know, right around me in a room. So I think that was like the hook for me mm-hmm. and ever since then i was just like yeah i was showing up to the, all the virtual yeah. meetings and virtual conversations and stuff like that so i think at that point yeah uh it was it was very timely i, I might not have even known that i needed you know mm-hmm. conversations like that but i'm always always welcoming the conversations like that yeah when you think about the power as someone who considers yourself a conversationalist like mm-hmm. what is you know, because I think that's part of like conversations, that idea right. that you can, there's power in that and like holding space Absolutely. and sitting and listening and having conversation, taking in ideas. Like Absolutely. for you, what's the, what's the power and the beauty of conversation? Uh, the power and the beauty of conversation, honestly, is that it, it constantly morphs reality. Like to me is, it's, um, I think, I think when I hear or see things, I, I kind of articulate it vividly, like in my head. So when I say it morphs reality, I kind of mean that. Like if somebody's telling me a story, I'm kind of playing it out like visually in in my head, and I think that allows me to be a lot more like uh, empathetic and understanding to what other people ha- like have to say. Yep. And I like I like to listen. I like to listen to other people, and like I said before, I like I like hearing other perspectives because. That may change the way I see things, mm-hmm. which kind of mm-hmm. ties back into kind of more from reality again. Yeah. And I think it's so imperative. Uh, I think dialogue is so imperative um, to like aspects of learning 
um, because you can read, you know, statistic or you can read uh, information like off of a page. But, you know, what does that do to shape your perspective and how does that kind of influence your own experience if you aren't, I guess, hearing or yeah. internalizing a shared experience from somebody else? So that's kind of, that's kind of like, I mean, that's the exact reason why I like conversations is, uh, yeah. you know, it's pretty deep, but like, that's how I, that's kind of how I perceive mm-hmm. it. You know, that's kind of how, why I like talking to people. I think it's sacred, man. I think, I think, you know, the, the fact that we utter these noises and communicate and they transcend messages and mm-hmm. signals and convey emotions and memories and things to people. And we can convey that and portray it in our own minds and maybe even apply it to our own realities yep. if we share similar you know situations or stories uh i think that's powerful i think that's extremely powerful and it's needed you know people need to talk more yeah. people need to engage with each other more. well i Absolutely. love that concept of just breaking it down to almost like a primal level right mm-hmm. like if we were to take away the constructs of what were like how deep we are into it in this evolution of what like communication mm-hmm. is but at this yeah. at the ground level we're just making noises exactly and these noises are transmitting a message or an understanding Mm -hmm. or some sort of relationship that's being implied by what we're trying to communicate yeah absolutely absolutely um and i i tend to kind of like look at things in a in a very like primal way in a very like fundamental way because at at the end of the day that's that's what it is it it might be like super literalism but that that's exactly what it is and it's it's been around it's stuck around it's gotten mankind humankind to this point for a reason you know and i think it's it's deeply important you know that we continue to communicate with each other and conversate because i don't think i don't think you can grow without it honestly Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. don't think you can grow without you know conversating with people um if not face to face of course since we're in a pandemic then you know virtually or however but i think uh yeah verbal communication is absolutely imperative how do you how do you think that that has influenced your life journey right obviously just Mm -hmm. in like meeting you and learning more about this yeah Yeah. from growing up in georgia to like bringing you to like where you are now in california yeah um i don't know i tell people uh i think i think just just growing up uh and kind of like reminiscing back and analyzing just how people communicate back home, like where I'm from. Um, and also I could even translate that to like music that, you know, when I, when I moved out here, uh, my dialect was different. My, everything about how I like spoke, the way I said my words, my tones, everything was just foreign to people. Even though I was from the same country, um, it was a very unfamiliar place. Like people just weren't familiar with, you know, a small city called Columbus in Georgia. And so me coming out of that and introducing myself, you know, to people out here, um, they couldn't understand what I was saying. They couldn't, you know, it was a lot of things that I had to clean up with how I communicated myself. But back home, it's, um, I think, I think the thing that I kind of picked up when I was very young was like, tones like the way people enunciate Mm -hmm. different tones is what like clarified the message for me Mm -hmm. because it's the deep south like people are not the most proper 
people don't pronounce every single syllable and every letter and every word. A lot of it, a, a lot of it's broken English. Yeah. A lot of it's like heavy ebonics. A lot of it is slow, slurred speech. But when you, I guess, dissect the tone of what certain people are saying, it like clarifies it for me instantly. And I think just communicating based on that again, like sounds, noises, things like that. Um, is what I think honestly helped me be a better communicator, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't proper English, you know, that I was, that I was learning or yeah. that I grew up on. And so, you know, coming out here, I, I didn't even know I had an accent. And I think yeah. that intrigued me to the point where it made me want to listen to people more to see if I could pick up on an accent from them or mm-hmm. if I can even hear it in myself when I speak, you yeah. know, cause that again, it morphed my reality, just changing my setting coming out here, morphed my reality to reanalyze myself and be like, wow, I do have an accent. Like I'm, I'm the yeah. only one that like sounds the way I do out here. And yeah. I, that was, I had no idea I had one, you yeah. know, until yeah. coming out here and just a shift in that reality for me. Um, I think allowed me to pay a lot more closer attention to what people said, how people mm. said it, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And mm-hmm. it was intriguing. It was intriguing to me. And I think that's kind of why I locked into just talking and, you know, things like that. Also in the South, like talking is is big. Like everything is, everything was always face to face. Everything mm-hmm. was always like sit down talk even when you don't want to be there even when you want to get up and move like you got to sit down you got to talk to somebody you got to speak address you know when i was young like Mm. you had to have at least a conversation with every adult in the room before you could just go off and like you know Uh, play and uh you know if like uh your family was over you couldn't just dash out the door and not you know talk to not even just one like you had to engage and have a conversation with each and every single one of them and oftentimes i would find myself just like engaging going in back and forth yeah. at a young age with like grown adults you know yeah. and just just talking to them before i even you know ran outside yeah. so i think it was always something i was like i always just like doing you yeah. know just talking to people that's fascinating because then i think about the culture of how i grew up and the mm-hmm. adults i was around where it was it's more of a respect your elders i grew right. up in them obviously i'm not saying yeah like just mm-hmm. to respect your elders. So then there was actually the elders was more of an authority, more of an authority mm-hmm. role. And it was more right. like you respect and listen. Yeah. And this concept of like, man, if yeah. I had been, but if I had been practicing at a young age right. to hold conversation and to have this back mm-hmm. and forth and to be like every adult I have a whole space with. Yeah, exactly. Thinking about how my communication models or how I connect with people mm-hmm. and even how I view people, the roles that they have would be Absolutely. so much more different. Yeah definitely definitely yeah i think that it was definitely the role of like um like the adults and stuff was definitely the roles of like authoritative for sure like you you had to respect your elders but at the same time even when even when we were young like you know they would they would like joke around and like hit around with you and like you had to engage you had to like you know they said something back you had to shoot something right back at her, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Within respect, but yeah. like, that's kind of how it was almost like sparring in a way. Yep. It was almost yep. like kind of getting you ready for, you got to be sharp. Yep. You got to come with it. You yep. got to, you know, and I think that's what, that's what 
kind of shaped me to be, you know, the the conversationalist that I am because I'm always like listening and I'm always like, you know, listening for how I can respond, how can I contribute even, mm-hmm. you know, to whatever it is that they're saying or how can it relate, you know, to something that I might have went through or, you know, if, if I can share, if somebody's being vulnerable, if I can also share something similar, you know, that I went through, like, I think yeah. that's just key, you know, in listening. So... I think I was kind of conditioned to do that at a at a really young yeah. age, for sure, for sure. Like, do do you think how or how do you think that those skills that you you like polish or you were practicing at a young age mm-hmm. has, you know, someone who's involved in the movements mm-hmm. and has really like traveled around, seeing what's been happening. Right. Obviously, been going on for our past our lives, but mm-hmm. specifically in the last year, how has that influenced or? Uh, kind of either helped you or or given you a different perspective when in going to these places um i think it's i think it's allowed it's it's allowed me to be comfortable to communicate with like a wide range of people um say if you have information um not everybody's going to be able to to readily read information and digest it the same yeah um, unless you break it down in ways in which they understand it. And again, I think that's key in, in communication too. And I think that can be honed in conversations with more people because mm-hmm. I can take something com- as complex as like, uh, I don't know, police, police insurance and be able to break it down in a way in which, you know, somebody who may not be as quote unquote educated can fully understand and articulate it, you know, as well, you know, mm-hmm. by simplifying things. And I think that's just, I think that's the basis of intelligence. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think intelligence is as complicated as, you know, like yeah. uh, the the um, education institution has made it out to be. I think, yeah. I think intelligence is simply like taking complex themes or taking complex uh, ideas and being able to simplify them in yeah. a way in which anybody can understand. Yeah. And I think that's imperative in movements. And I think that's what motiva- motivated me to jump out there and get involved in movements because, you know, I, I grew up in the projects. I grew up in, like, the hood and stuff like that. So I know mm-hmm. how to communicate with people in those elements. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I've also worked jobs with doctors. I'm currently working at UCLA. So I had to conversate with surgeons. Yeah. You know, and I can, I can do both, you know, I, and I can translate both, you yeah. know, whether it's something health related, whether it's, you know, uh, police accountability, like I felt comfortable enough jumping out there and at least being able to articulate information that needed to be dispersed to people on the ground level. And yeah. I think that's honestly was more of a motivating factor for me to jump out there and do that was simply to just convey and communicate information and a mm-hmm. message that needed to be that I felt like needed to be heard. Yeah. For sure. Do you see that as something like that's a role of yours in your life or a or a mm-hmm. or a thing that you've maybe I don't know. I'm I move off like I move off pure instinct, honestly. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm way more heart than like logic 
Yeah. So like, yeah. if if I felt like something was like missing, or if I felt like there was like a, a void, you know, that I could kind of like feel in a way, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like community or like social issues or something, I'm I'm jumping out there. Like I'm yeah. just I'm just jumping out there. I'm not sure if that's a, a role or not. Uh, only time will tell. Yeah. But um, I certainly feel like um, I was satisfied with you know with my work, you know, out there and the yeah. connections that I was able to make, yeah. you know, out there traveling from city to city, protest to protest. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely satisfied with with how that went. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think for me, like, whenever we talked that, yeah, that what stands out is, one, the, the ability to communicate and mm-hmm. the ability to break down concepts. I think the ability for you to break it down to, like, a, very primal earth level mm-hmm. how everything is kind of connected on a scientific level on a on a on a basic level and mm-hmm. how that that interconnection right on like of life or as organisms mm-hmm. or as animals or as beings um and then also understanding the social context of things mm-hmm. and the gravity of that and i think i've always been fascinated by that i'm always like man if we're if i'm gonna talk with rodney we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna like get into the different phases right because i i see those as layers right and right, so i think right that's why i ask you about mm-hmm. your chops and communication because yeah. that's not an easy thing for most people right like right people might catch on to communicate like in a conversation on a certain level mm-hmm. but they might not be able to like examine what are the implications of like mm-hmm. thinking this way and how it's connected to this and right. how this is going on in the world like that can be a bit of like a complex yeah kind of like dance yeah it it definitely is and i mean it at times it at times it definitely feels complex um but i almost kind of see it as like like switching lenses you know kind of like mm-hmm. like uh you know like taking one lens off and then like snapping another one on and like I think that's how that's kind of how I make sense of things, because I find personally I find truth in like commonalities. So if things mm-hmm. make sense, say on a social context, but they don't make sense on like you know uh, say a natural or like a you know spiritual or primal or you know however else you want to, if it doesn't make in, if it doesn't make sense in uh, different lenses, it's hard for me to make sense of it. Yep. And so if there are things that you know, may make sense on a natural level, but then they also correlate on a social level and they correlate, you know, um, you know, a, a individual level, a psychological level, whatever, biological level. Yeah. Um, then to me, that really just sticks and, yep. it, and it makes a lot of sense. And I just retain it better that way. Yeah. And I think that's just how I learn. Yeah. And that, that could be also the key too. just, I guess, Maybe individuals focus in on how exactly how things make sense yeah. to them. I think that's I think what you just said right there, like mm-hmm. that applies a lot to me where I look at in order for me to adopt something fully, there mm-hmm. has to be congruence right. to like how I view the world or how I view the systems of the world. Like is it equi- like yeah, like usually it's like, is it equitable? Like mm-hmm. how does this like bring a better version of me? And like yeah. does yeah. this leave other people behind or how does this serve? And like, yeah, like instinctually how does this connect with me is this something that like is using my natural function or like making the most of me and that's that's really fascinating yeah because i think that's that's probably why i love when we conversate right and we get into these like philosophical spaces because it's there's a there's like different phases of being maybe Mm -hmm. that's being examined absolutely absolutely it's three aspects to us always physical 
mental and spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I so believe that. And I think that things, things to me have to kind of make sense on like all three levels. You know, uh, I have to feel it. I have to like, it has to be concrete in some way. And then at the same time, it has to, it has to like logically, you know, just fit. And I think in those three phases is how I kind of like operate and switch out, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe those lenses. And like, I don't know. I think that's just me like, like wholesomely like engaging in whatever it is that's kind of brought my way. Mm -hmm. And again, that, that made, I think that just ties back into like my love for communicating and just conversating in general, especially when, you know, when I can conversate with somebody like you and, you you are very much so willing to like explore those spaces and just be like okay yeah like that makes sense and then you may bring something up and i'm like all right i i hear it i feel it and then like it makes sense and then it just clicks on like you know in another phase that i can maybe like pull from you know Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. i don't know it is fascinating it is fascinating to, to like through communication you almost kind of see how your mind works you almost mm-hmm. kind of see mm-hmm. how how you work in a way through communicating yeah. and i think that's that's one of the most fascinating things about it to me yeah in general yeah who who would you say are like the main inf- if you look back in your life who are the main influences of the way that you communicate or have have left imprints on you um i mean it i think i think just kind of like just at that face value first person that comes to my mind is my mom for sure because you know that's that's like the foundation you know the, those are usually who you hear the first words from and mm-hmm. you know things like that but i think she um she was always very very keen on like tone and like energy and everything you know to the point where like it almost made me like examine myself to the fullest before i even like spoke you know what i mean to her like any sort of like if i felt any type of way about anything Uh and i like let it out of my mouth even if i like didn't say it aggressively or anything she just like knew she just Mm -hmm. knew like watch it or like you know feeling some type of way about it you know and she'll like ask me about it and it'll that just a question like that will instantly just make me like dang like how how did i say that like how did mm, i mm-hmm. how did i like what was my tone what was yeah. my and in a sense if it makes you re-examine yourself it's gonna make you examine like you know what you hear as well like yeah. and make you kind of keen or sensitive to either the energy that's being put out around you the tones is being put out around you you yeah. know and things like that and i think that just fundamentally made me keen to yeah, all of that, and I think that tied back into like my communication, yeah. you know, and how I communicate it, and you know, I can kind of, I can kind of get when somebody's like feeling, I don't know, like down or kind of like you know out of it and stuff like that, and I can, I can kind of read the room and just mm-hmm. you know like leave it alone or yeah. you know anything like that. Uh, it, it made me very aware. It made yeah. me very aware, just like conversating with my mom and stuff like that. So I think fundamentally absolutely absolutely is there something that made her so tapped in is there is there something you attribute that to man i don't know i think i don't know she had it rough growing up she had it rough rough growing up and i think just for her own 
survival kind of she had to like she had to be keen on you know on everything that was going on around mm-hmm. her um but yeah like growing up in an environment like that like i i think it was, i think it was just imperative it was imperative that she had to be extremely like astute and aware of everything that was going on around her from tone mannerisms because anything could set off and like it'll become a, a violent moment a traumatizing moment yeah you know like in an instant so just being able to like see the signs and being able to kind of like read the room before it happens i think was her way of like navigating through mm-hmm. you know her life and eventually making it out but yeah, I think that's I think that's a big reason why. Um me and my brother kind of talk about it all the time that like she she like we we're a very tight-knit family like me, my mom, my aunts, uh my brothers, my cousins, like we are all like one we operate as like one tribe. Like mm-hmm. once upon a time we were all in the same project. So we were literally a tribe like yeah. aunts, uncles, <laughs> grandmas grandsons all under like one roof you know what i mean so we really operated as a tribe and i think that us knowing uh her other sisters uh and her younger brother us knowing all of them and then just knowing them as being able to grow up as adults learning who they were being able to engage with them as adults mm-hmm. and being able to see them for who they are individual like as humans because it's one thing to as a child to grow up under an adult you have a perception is like mm-hmm. an authoritative figure but then when you become an adult yourself you're able to look at them as like a human you know what i mean just mm-hmm. uh like with their own experiences with their own you know attributes and things like that and once me and my brother got of age we talked about it and we were just like mama just different yeah. like my, my like mama just she just different and you could just tell like she just uh, like she always had like a a different way of looking at things. She listened mm. to like different music. She mm. just she was just different, yeah. you know. And she she made it out. And of course, she's not she's not far off. Like her and her sisters share a ton of similarities, but at the same time, there's just a difference when you engage with her as opposed to like her sisters or her brothers. Mm-hmm. Like it's a clear difference. I've said it, my brother said it, my cousins say it. It's yeah. just a, a distinct difference that she has like this certain level of like sensitivity and awareness to just mm-hmm. like know how to say things and what to say and when to say them. Would and you say it's a gift of hers? It's almost like a gift or is I it think a, so. Yeah. I really think so. I really, really think so. Um because you know, me being me being a male and my brother being a male and then conversating with my mother is one way to look at it. But, you know, some of my cousins who are young ladies, um, it really set in for me the way they talk about my mom. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. like this this must be like it must be something there. Mm-hmm. Because they can sit on the phone with her for hours. Like mm. hours. And just talk and just talk and talk and talk and talk. Because nine times out of ten, she went through the exact same thing they were going through. And which is again, like that's a world that even though me and my brother are her children, yeah, we can't relate what it's like to grow up as, you know, a single a single mother. You know, like yeah. we that's just something we'll never 
be able to relate on. But I think just having a point like that to relate with somebody like my mom, I think that that definitely gave her like, uh, uh, I guess you could say a gift, you know, it, yeah. it gave her some sort of like profound influence over the young women in my family for sure. Yeah. Um, we kind of like, it's interesting. Me and my brother talk like, again, like you can talk about that. I'm, I'm kind of approaching that in like a, a social yeah. like aspect, but like, me and my brother also talk about it from like a spiritual aspect. Like mm -hmm. what are like what are some of like the ancestral roles that we might be manifesting mm -hmm. at this point? Mm -hmm. And we kind of see her as like the shaman or like the healer yep. in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like just again, based on how the rest of the family talks about, you know, my mother and like yeah. talks about engaging with my mother. Like any there's it it's so interesting. Like Yo, like it's like it'd be some mad toxic shit going on with my family, like yeah. hilarious. But like <laughs> I'm able to recognize it again because yeah. I've stepped away and I kind of like got a yeah, bird's eye view on things. That like, man, this is fucked up. Like this is yeah. fucked up behavior. Like this is probably behavior we need to change. But it's yeah. still like hilarious, just <laughs> and like just because it's like my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. Used to For you sure. know, but like, like just something as simple as like cussing, like. It's like the whole family knows, like, when my mom's around, just don't. Yeah. And that's saying a lot, because they, yeah. like, it's a rowdy bunch. Yeah. It's a real rowdy bunch. Like, they talk about, like, everything from the moon yeah. and back, like, who ass they gonna whoop, yeah. who they gonna shoot, who they gonna kill. Like, yeah. all, they, they let it fly. Like, they don't yeah. care. But when she is around, like, just don't cuss around. Like, just yeah. don't. Don't don't raise your voice too much. It, it ain't finna be all that fighting. It ain't finna yeah. be all that cussing. And if somebody start getting loud, somebody else will check them. Just because you know she's around, just because yeah. they know she she's not she's not a, she she don't want to be around that shit. Yeah, she don't want to be around it. Like that period. So yeah. like, it's just cut and dry. She's cultivated like a cultural mindfulness within the tribe yes like exactly yeah. and yeah. that is insane to me because i know the people that you know i know the people that i know the people that my family like are like they, they from the streets they yeah. from the streets they operate and and get it out the streets like and yeah. it's always been that way always been that way they're not about to buy the nobody's rules not yeah. Columbus Police Department, not the mayor, not yeah. nobody. You know what I mean? If you ain't an elder in this tribe, mm -hmm. like, fuck you, basically. Yeah. Like, who are you to us? But it's like, it's a profound, like, reverence. Like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like, it's it's not going to be none of that, you know, when she's around. And it's interesting to see because yeah. the moment she leaves, it's it's, it's chaos. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's chaos all over yeah. again. It's wildness. Like, straight wildness. Like, I could get into some stories, but it's, like, it's just probably not for, like, yeah. you know, a platform. But, <laughs> yeah, man. Like, it's, but, it's uh, rowdy. Like, on a, just like on a, if we were talking about, like, tribal living. Or, like, yeah. the way that tribes work, right? right. Like, uh, or, like, egalitarian society where... Mm -hmm. It sounds like she's like the matriarch, like the the shaman healing matriarch, right? That's yeah, like the shaman healing matriarch, and then her older sister is for sure like the warrior queen, like mm -hmm. one thousand percent. Like it's like it's like you don't mess with either one for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Like 
Don't mess with this one because this is like, this is like the, you know, the healer, the shaman. You don't mess with this one because she will really punch you in your face. Yeah. Like, just like, yeah. while you're talking, like, yeah. you know, it, it does not matter. It don't matter who you are. Yeah. So like, but at the same time, nobody better come and mess with anybody in this trial. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. will be the first one. Like, even though she's not the most physically adept. Yeah. That's going to be the first one. You know what I mean? And she's yeah. the oldest sister out of all of them. You know, mm -hmm. out of all my mom's, I think, was, it was uh, my auntie Sack, the oldest. Uh, my auntie Laquita OD on heroin and died. And then it was my mom. And then it was my auntie Laquita, I mean, uh, my auntie Tamiko. And then uh, the youngest one was their, their brother Earl. And... Yeah, so them two being like the oldest now, like since Monty Laquita passed, yeah. yeah, it's just you can tell Monty Zach is big sis. Yeah, you can tell like that. That's that's big sis to all of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the one who took care of all of them. When anybody yeah. was in trouble, that's who was going. Even Earl, like if he yeah. had problems with dudes. Monty Sack's about to go yeah. take care of it, like in a yeah. real way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a real way. So it's it's just it's so interesting, like again, having this conversation with my brother, and we can analyze it from like yeah. a tribal like standpoint. Like this was like the matriarchal warrior, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like Monty Sack. And then you had the matriarchal like shaman, mm -hmm. you know, the the healer, the one who was probably like Honestly, like really trying to defuse situations or like really trying to, you know, like just keep everything, you know, to a yeah. minimum, which took, I'm sure took a lot, a yeah. lot, you know, in that household that they grew up in. But yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. It's really, really interesting looking yeah. at it that way. And we, my generation is, they're more, uh, men. So we were raised under like this matriarchy, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. in a sense. And it's, it's interesting, like even that, just seeing the dynamics of that and seeing like how we all correlate with each other. Cause I, I may say it's my cousin, but I feel like that's, that's too distant, you know, yeah. of a, even a title. Like yeah. these, my cousins are like my brothers. Yeah. Like I'm, I've changed diapers and yeah. all kinds of stuff. Like they're like, you could not, there's no different from like yeah. brotherhood. You like know, people are that. operating on a different definition when they say cousin versus the relationship that right. you would share with Ex those that you would call a cousin. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cause cousin just even, it even sounds distant to me. Like when I'm, when I'm talking to, about some of them, but yeah, even a relationship that we all share amongst each other, um, is, is just even unique. In contrast to the generation above us, you know, mm -hmm. how we communicate, how we all like, we like, we hang out like we friends, like we are like legit friends. Like when I'm leaving the house, nine times out of 10, when my mom called me, I'm probably with somebody I'm related to. Mm -hmm. Nine mm -hmm. times out of 10. Mm -hmm. uh, I may be with some of the homies and stuff like that, but nine yeah. times out of 10, I'm with somebody I'm related to. Like, yeah. and that's just, just yeah. what it is. Um, And I think tying back into like communication and stuff, I think it's a level of understanding when you have that like tight knit tribe that just feels safe, you yeah. know, like that just feels, I can't go everywhere. And like, not too many people can relate to like a lot of those traumas that, you know, mm -hmm. my family experienced, like 
collect as as a tribe, mm-hmm. you know. So it feels a lot more safe to be in and around them than it does, you know, like outside of that. Yep. A lot yeah. of times. So yeah, all of that, all of that kind of shaped, you know, my communication. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's interesting. Me and me and the conversation with my brother, my brother have about the family and stuff is yeah it's it's rich it's rich in all of those different perspectives i mean even looking at it in terms of like generationally what's been passed down to you right that there's even on a very human level like if your mom grew up uh in a tough way like survival instincts so these instincts of survival that require her to be like very attuned to her environment Mm -hmm. and to to the movements around her right that was needed for that her attunement was for survival but then attuned you Mm mm-hmm through her love and her healing right. that she naturally had combined with those survival instincts mm-hmm. that were honed created a better communicator within you harnessed right. with like that love Absolutely. and that healing. And that, that makes, that makes so much more sense than when we, when we talk about intergenerationally now with what you're involved in and what you right. like breaking down things scientifically, naturally, true. and Very how true. things communicate Very true. I, didn't even think, I, I swear I didn't even think about it like that, but that, yeah. That's very true, and I think that's why, you know, me and me and my brother kind of talk about like those those like ancestral roles, like what, how, how, how can we perceive this like in a different way? And once we start breaking down like those ancestral roles and those almost like fundamental like tribal roles that we just feel like yeah. that we just feel off of. Who that person is and what yeah. they mean to the tribe, it starts making a lot of sense in yeah. terms of like why we do what we do and mm-hmm. you know how, why why some of our cousins do what they do and how they move and even how they're perceived to people outside of the tribe. Yeah, you know, because in a, in certain ways, like a reputation, um, in a lot of ways, communicates that. Mm-hmm. It communicates what your role has been to other people. And yeah, it's just it's just mad interesting. It's mad interesting to like take off and yeah. change those different lens. And how, how has that how has physically being distant from your tribe mm-hmm. and those people that you're the closest to, how has that affected your own journey or like how you view your own personal narrative? I feel like I feel like they I feel like me leaving, I feel like I had been, like, I feel like the gas tank had been filled, like, constantly mm-hmm. being filled all the way up until the point where it just couldn't be filled anymore. And I wanted to take it somewhere else, in a sense. Um, not even consciously, but, like, you know, I ended up I ended up out here in California more so, like, consciously as, as a youngin, I was just like... I want to see what else is like mm. out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to. I want to be able to. Mm-hmm. I know that the city limits isn't like the world. Yeah. You know what I mean. I'm not. I'm not locked into the city. Life is not within Columbus's city limits. Yeah. Um. But I think going out there and really just immersing myself in different cultures. Yeah. In different environments around different people and a different even climate you know what i mean uh it really caused me to interpret life like completely differently it it forced me it forced me to learn a new language 
mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Even though you know I still spoke English, it forced me to learn how to maneuver around different people with you know different energies who were not familiar at all with nothing that I came from, mm-hmm. and learning how to you know bridge a gap yeah. between that. And I think I, I think I did a pretty good job at that because I got I got homies of all creeds, colors. Social classes, yep. you know, um, all up and down California, from LA to the Bay. Um, but yeah, I think I think it did. Def- it definitely caused me to to hone all of those skills and all those learned communi- like communication tools, I yeah. guess, that I had acquired growing up. Yeah. Kind of forced me to use them and apply them. Yeah. In a real way. So, what does California mean to you now? In your like, in your own, where you are in, in Woo! your life? Man, I wanted to get a spoiler alert to anybody who might listen to this who know me, but I I wanted to get like a a, Cal- a tattoo, you know, dedicated to California, or maybe mm. even like a series of tattoos mm. dedicated to California, because California means like that's a great question, and I hadn't thought about it as much as I should have. It's almost like my thoughts kind of like dance around that idea, but I've never specifically just like landed on that. I always think about like what my time out here has meant or what what is it going to mean or what was the reason I was out here. But that's a really good question. What does California mean? I think to me, it, it honestly, California directly translates to, to growth for me Mm. you know and growth and challenge for real because it's definitely been a challenge being here uh being away from that tribe being away from like the safety of the tribe um but at the same time it's forced me to go places further into myself than i had ever been before like ever and i don't think you're gonna get challenged to to travel that far into yourself um so long as you stay in a place like home mm-hmm. so long as you stay in a place that's like familiar um you will be tested you will be tested once you change your environment and you just i mean pick yourself up and drop yourself like yeah. 2500 miles away from home like you're going to be tested your resolve is going to be tested your ability to communicate is going to be tested. Yeah. Your ability to to love and handle like relationships. Your yeah. ability to um, be empathetic and understand things that you mm. have never like remotely things that you never would have thought you would ever. Do you have seen. examples of that? Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Like absolutely. I remember. I remember the first time. I mean, like for anybody listening who grew up in California, like to to put it quite clearly how different it is where I grew up. The first 20 years of my life, I never heard the words carne asada. (laughs) Never heard the words carne asada in my life. Like, in my life. So, where I'm coming from is that different. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, never heard the words. Like, when I first came out here and my friends took me to go get get, um, tacos, I was like, okay, I'm down. Like, we can go get them. And... We walk into the store and we 
looking at the menu and my friends are like, yeah, you got to get the carne asada tacos. Like that's like just standard. And I'm kind of just standing there like, uh, y'all are going to have to order for me because I don't speak Spanish. Like, I don't, I don't know what you just said. And at first they were kind of like, that's not Spanish. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But then they had to think about it. Like that is Spanish. We just, it's so normal out here mm-hmm. that we know what it is. Yeah. It just rolls off the tongue. It's carne asada. Like, that's what it is. But to me, I there was like I didn't know what they were saying. I didn't know what I didn't even I didn't even think they were getting tacos anymore. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what I don't know what y'all are trying to get me, but I'm down to try it. Yeah. Just like ordered off the menu, I'll try it. Um, but yeah, even when we got the tacos, like they put them down and I was kind of disappointed because I was like, I was used to like hard shell, ground mm-hmm. beef. Mm-hmm. Talk like Americanized tacos, and now I know that those aren't real authentic tacos, as my friends told me yeah. that night. Um, but yeah, I was I asked them, I was like, "Yo, where the lettuce? Where the cheese? Where's you know, like all those things that I thought went on a taco?" And they was like, "Nah, like that's not that's not a real like Mexican yeah. street taco." They was like, "Okay, put this lime on there, put this green sauce on it." And it changed my life like it changed <laughs> yeah. my life like i was like whoa like this is what i've been missing out on so ever since then i started eating like ceviche and menudo mm. and pozole yeah. and like all of these different things tortas and stuff like that that i remember my first summer back home i'm like i go back home <laughs> yeah. telling my homies i'm like yo like i'm out there eating like carne asada and carnitas and ceviche and tortas and all that stuff and my friends are just like looking at me like looking around like yo this dude come back talking this cartel shit like what the (laughs) fuck is going on like that's no joke my homie keisner allen i will never forget that he literally said that he was like bro this nigga ride coming back talking this cartel shit like damn like he really in cali like but yeah it again like it took me going to a different place to just even just eating different foods changed mm-hmm. how I communicated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It changed uh, those primal noises that I made, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I went back w- to Georgia. If you want to like look at it from like a primal like lens, like yeah, I left my tribe, went twenty five hundred miles away for a few months, honestly. Came back to my tribe uttering new noises that they had like mm-hmm. never heard before, you mm-hmm. know, uttered, mm-hmm. like talking about things that they never tried or they tasted. You know, it, it changed how I communicated, like yeah. very much so. And yeah, I think I think California could also represent that, just like a new way of communicating, a, a mm. whole new world of communication. Also, yeah. Oh, that's I think when you break it down on that level, right? That and that and that in itself is a very uh tested throughout time thing where whether we're reading in history or in different cultures like someone leaves someone explores Mm -hmm. someone ventures into new land and they are changed through that experience right right yours happen to be carne asada taco (laughs) (laughs) yo that's the name of the book bro (laughs) (laughs) how carne asada changed me (laughs) 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 <laughs> but for you, like I know we, I know we, we talk about 
because even now you're you're vegan now right yeah so like there's yeah. like even that like i i actually came to know you as like oh rodney's vegan mm-hmm. and like rodney wants to grow his own food right so it's it's really fascinating to hear this genesis of from like yeah i think we talked about dr sebi and uh-huh. like having those conversations like yeah. oh yeah like rodney didn't know what car rodney was eating carne asada when he got out here yeah. and now this this whole evolution has actually been created right. like has happened while you were here in california yeah. California is like the cauldron. Like it's it's literally like just melting me down and like remolding me in a sense. Like you know, you put metals and stuff in 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 the cauldron. You could put like one solid element, you know, yeah. in a cauldron and melt it down. Uh, but when you pour it back like into a different mold, you change the shape. Everything that it was before, it still is. It's just a completely different object. At this yeah. point, you know, you can melt down a, a, a sword or you can melt down a, a a steel chain and then pour it out and mold it into a pan, you know, mm-hmm. or mold it into whatever, an anvil or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I think, honestly, I think metaphorically, I think I can put it that way. Like, California would be like a cauldron. Like, I just jumped in there, got melted down, you know, yeah. stirred around a little bit and then... Pour it out into like a, a different mold, but you know, I think the mold is still kind of shaping itself slowly mm-hmm. but surely, for sure. <clears throat> and like, and now when you combine these these influences, how do mm-hmm. you how do you view your future, or how do you view that which you, like the work that you want out of your life? Man, that's it's very. I'm not gonna lie, like I can't I can't really see like too far into the future mm-hmm. like that i really can't i um again i only i only like i only just know of instinct mm-hmm. where not not where i fit but where i can where I can contribute mm, mm-hmm. and the spaces that I see myself contributing. Um, I see myself contributing. I just know that I need the freedom to contribute to those spaces. Yeah. So there are things that like, I kind of like I'm obligated to learn to yeah. free up my time and free up my dependency Yep. In order to be able to best put myself in a position to contribute yeah. to all of these different things, whether it's you know community or whether it's like health and wellness, whether mm-hmm. it's you know veganism contributing yeah. to the veganism movement, yeah. like our like even if it's arbitrarily, even if that's not conscious, like that just so happens to be like where I'm headed because yeah. I also want to contribute to my own health. Yep, and. To me, that just makes the most sense in how to do it. Yeah. You know? Um, Hold on, I got a thought. Let me take a picture away. You oh, just, yeah, do your thing. Do your thing. Do your thing, dog. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to go use the restroom too. What's that? Say, so I'm going to go use the restroom too. Oh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Bad break. What I was going to say is because I asked you that question about. Um, we got uni shower in the background. That's uni shower <laughs> water if you hear. Um, was like how I asked you about how you view your future and your, you were like, that's hard. 
like I feel it. And then you were kind of, I think, alluding to talking about your instinct a while ago. And then the one thing you said where I was like, okay, this, this is hitting for me like on a real instinctual level is because mm. you follow your instinct and you need the freedom to be able to contribute where you see fit. And I right. think that's a huge thing that I deal with being in my like later 30s, right? Of mm-hmm. We're conditioned in society that we need to have a plan. Right? right that there's which obviously i i think there's i'm separating the idea of like a plan versus like when my before my life is said and done i want to like take care of my tribe and i want right. to set them up for generations and i want right. to make sure that what i've done in my life has has set them up to right like how your mom set you up to become mm-hmm. a better communicator a, a more compassionate human being like mm-hmm. i want to take care of those things but also yeah that's always been maybe the knock on me mm-hmm. in my own narrative and like the 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 thing the messaging that i've received is right. like what is the plan or like what's what's that long-term view right. where it is like for me i think that's the that's the piece of me that is mm-hmm. that's kind of one of a kind or like that you probably feel is like right. i have a i have an intuition or or a feeling to like fill a need or mm-hmm. to to acknowledge and to observe the world around me right and right. see we were talking about this a while ago before the podcast of like the experience right mm-hmm. and how experience is such a great teacher and so by living my life based off of experience and learning the lessons of experience, I've been able to construct a voice and a mm-hmm. tool of myself where I know exactly where that fits. Exactly. But I, but I need to be exactly. able to like survey the situation. I need mm-hmm. to be able to feel that within my spirit of like, Oh, this is it. Right. Like I have something to contribute. And I think that's, that's hard sometimes when we're trying to mm-hmm. project for a future of like, there's so many different variables that exactly. don't have anything to do with us. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, like what we were talking about before, um, that idea of a plan a lot of times is like, like you said, it's it's projecting like a, it's it's basically like you're just casting an image like up on the wall, and there's no path between you and the wall. Like there's no visible like road between you and the wall. You just see yeah. this image on the wall. Yeah, and I think again how we were alluding to uh, earlier is that we kind of go through like being the way we are like instinctual we're kind of like moving through life feeling out spaces until the space feels right Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. until it just feels right and we may not be able to like cast the image up on the wall but we're slowly creating that path towards exactly where that image is going to be to carve it out yeah you know, yeah. um, the image doesn't, the image is not so structured and uniform as, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a doctor's degree in this and like yeah. working in that career for yeah. the rest of our lives. Like, yeah. it may just not be that uniform, mm-hmm. you know, it, it may just be a completely different, that would be like, uh, that would be like a Van Gogh. That would be like a, uh, uh, Andy Warhol. Yeah. Painting, yeah. you know what I mean? Very yeah. uniform and basic. Yeah. What we're after is still art, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's probably more like a Basquiat. Yep. Like, yeah. how the hell can <laughs> yeah, you explain a Basquiat to somebody? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. you can explain a, a a Warhol. You know, you can yeah. explain a, a a blue oval in the middle of yeah. a white space. Nice pop art. Yeah, yeah. 
try explaining a, a Basquiat painting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's gonna be political messages all around the yeah. edges. It's gonna look cartoonish. It's gonna look childish. Yeah. Dude might have like spiked teeth and yeah. overalls yeah. and you know pitch black skin with like red eyes and like just you know all these different like it'd be hard for you to like even wrap your mind around. Yeah. It. But that's still like valuable art yes. you know what i mean it's his still experience substance. is so ingrained like the whether that's trauma whether that's like the mm-hmm. the way that he was living in new york the exactly. experiences that he was creating like it's right it's hard to distinguish that right there's right. he he's not necessarily creating based off of like specific elements mm-hmm. he's creating from yeah this instinctual space exactly exactly and i think that like you know carving out this life for yourself and and making a life for yourself is art like that that's yeah. your that's your art piece your legacy is like your art piece that you leave behind your legacy and your reputation so to to actively kind of like freestyle that um it's just a different way of of making the song it's just a different way of painting the picture yeah. um the picture still being painted it's just you know you you're not tracing anything yeah. you know you yeah. you're going based off like exactly what it is that you feel and i think like you said it we get so caught up in like the uniformity of like the plan, the what are yeah. what are the outlines, what are the parameters of, you know, your yeah. goals and you know things like that, but to me, I see myself being far more effective um with what I'm doing when I can fill out the space that I'm needed in or maybe not needed in and avoid that space and go somewhere where I feel like I can contribute. And thrive in that space rather than forcing myself into a space where I genuinely just don't see myself, mm-hmm. you know, like that. I think that that plays into, you know, people's disdain or even depression, you know, in life that, you know, they just can't find the space that they necessarily fit into or a space that they see themselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think it's imperative, you know, yeah. when you goal setting to see and feel what spaces that feel right to you. Mhm. Definitely. Yeah, it's interesting cuz I Yeah, a lot of the messaging, the narrative I would tell myself is like, "Oh, you're just a late bloomer." Mm-hmm. Like things just come slower to you than other people do. Right. But it's really more what we were talking about a while ago is like those three levels. Mm-hmm. Like until something hits on three levels, it doesn't make fully. It it kind of mm. feels like someone's pushing me into it. Right. If it doesn't make sense for me on those three levels, where, yeah, if there's something's projected on there, like I'm not just gonna st- go up to that projection and stand in place to fill <laughs> something. Like right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think I've always felt that way. And so even I think this is like something big too. Yeah. Like vision setting and goal setting is very. I can say goals. Mm-hmm. Like goals, I can set, but like a vision. It's mm-hmm. like, I always come with the caveat of like, but there's so much crazy shit that can happen. Right. And like one of the Absolutely. tools that I have is I'm able to, I'm able to be flexible with mm-hmm. that flow of life with what happens. And I'll find a way that I can yeah. be useful within that. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it takes a certain amount of courage to, to do and be that because you have to, you have to learn like the hard way. When you it's it's a it's a more difficult path, you know, which is maybe why we receive some of the knock that we receive. Yeah. It's a more difficult path. So it's a lot more uncomfortable for 
you know, the people who may care about us, like our parents, mm-hmm. to hear, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that it's a more uncomfortable path. But as we were talking about before, like those lessons that you learn, those experiences that you learn can teach you like no book can, you know, it, yeah. can, it teaches you like no lecture, no YouTube video, like no podcast can. Like yeah. you literally have to feel what it's like to take those losses to go into those spaces and it not necessarily work out the way you thought it would to maybe backtrack and then re-enter it again with a bit more courage because you made it out the other side. Yeah. You know, you made it out the other side of certain adversities or certain ills that you might've took. Yep. So I think for sure that, you know, how we were saying, just kind of like building this life up, building, building that voice up in your head to, continue down you know the the path less traveled mm-hmm. um i think that's that's extremely key that's extremely key yeah uh and not not learning from you know uh, a book or you know institutionalized education um but to learn from your own experience and and be daring enough to go through certain hardships and make it out the other side yeah. knowing full well like knowing better than you did before that i can get through that you know yeah. what i mean if it comes down to it if if this is a a, a possibility in the next situation down the road mm-hmm. i'm nowhere near as afraid now because i've already been through that yeah. i can see the signs i can see it coming i can you know yeah i can feel it out you know i can mm-hmm. feel that space being more familiar with the spaces that I felt before and being able to like walk with a bit more confidence towards whatever that vision is that you have, you know, in your head. So yeah, I think that's key. Getting life coaching with Rodney. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Certainly not a life coach. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's my disclaimer. I got, I got one more thing for you. I'm gonna grab my uh, GoPro quick. All right, so basically, so like these conversation cards, these questions. I'm gonna hit you quick with just questions. Okay. We'll finish off here. Uh, all you gotta do is just go ahead and answer as quick as you can. All right. I, I'm just gonna go through, and then if you can go, we're gonna go ex- instinctual Rodney here as okay. much as possible. All right. Here we go. So I'm just gonna hit you with these questions. Here we go. <laughs> if you could live during any time period in history, which would you choose and why? Uh, ancient Egypt. Why? Um, because I really want to see who built the pyramids and I would love to see the pyramids like in their glory, like mm. back when Egypt was like lush, like with green grass and like palm trees and stuff. Mm. I just feel like that'd just be a sight to behold from like the greatest civilization of all time. You have an unlimited budget to create a product that can help the world. What would it be? Um... Me, I'm, I went straight child brain. First thing that yeah. popped up in my head would be like a budget to build jetpacks to help people fly. There you go. <laughs> uh, what would the theme song to the soundtrack of your life be? The theme song to the soundtrack of my life? Yep. Ooh. Either Living by Anderson Pack mm-hmm. and Knowledge, mm-hmm. um, aka No Worries. On the album, yes, Lord. Yeah. Um. Or Otis Redding sitting, Otis Redding sitting on the dock of the bay. Oh, because he went from Georgia. 
He went from Georgia to the Frisco Bay. Thank yep. you. You made that. Okay. <laughs> what was your first job? How would you describe it? Uh, my first job was actually working at the commissary bagging groceries. I would describe it as a lot of uh, lunch breaks, getting high, and coming <laughs> back into the grocery store and laughing a lot at a lot of the customers. <laughs> describe yourself in three words. The first being a type of weather. The second being a type of transportation. The third being an emotion or feeling. Mm, okay. Describe myself as weather. Um, I would say... I would say a sunny, cool day. Yeah. Um, as what was the next one? Uh, as a type of transportation. Type of transportation. Um, ooh. I would probably say I am a '92 box Chevy Caprice. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. On gold Dayton's. <laughs> I like that. And third is an emotion or feeling. Third is an emotion or feeling. Um. Hmm. Emotion or feeling. Uh. I try to be tranquil. Mm. So yeah, I'm gonna say tranquil. Tranquil. Yeah. What does the world need more of? Hmm. The world needs more. Hmm. Man, I know what the world needs less of. What does the world need less of? Greed. Hmm. Who is your first crush or love interest? My first crush. It's probably um. It was probably either Ashanti or J Lo. Mm, oh, I thought you were going to talk about that. somebody in your life. All right. I like that. <laughs> well, what's a game or activity that you used to love as a kid? Gamer activity? Yeah, game or activity. I used to love football a lot. I used to love playing football. Yeah. I used to really, really like football. When was the last time you shed tears? Hmm. When was the last time I shed tears? Uh, like 2013 yeah 2013 if you could be transported to anywhere in the world right now where would you go hmm give me a second on that one yeah give me a little second on that one honestly hmm Either St. Lucia or Mauritius. Mm. Mauritius is an island off the coast of Africa. Mm -hmm. Well, actually off the coast of Madagascar. Madagascar is off the coast of Africa. <laughs> Give a message to your tribe back Ooh. in Columbus, Georgia. A message to my tribe. Um, get out of Columbus and see the world. For sure. And heal. Allow you allow yourselves to heal, allow yourselves to forgive, and allow yourselves to experience all that this world has to offer because the world is not Columbus, Georgia. Boom! That's Rodney. <laughs> Good. Thank you, Rodney. No problem. Yeah.
Podcast.